It's Rise of Mid Mornings with myself and Bumimbete. It's quarter past 10, and as promised, we bring you our Africa Day dialogue with uh, Professor Vusi Gumete of the Faculty of Economics, Development, and Business Science at the University of Mpumalanga. I also have Prof. Sichaba Mashomaholo. He's a research professor of education, and uh, Ms. Tulsile Buda. Uh, she's a lecturer of culture and heritage in the university. And I do have uh, the professors on the line in Ms. Tulsile Banda Buda. Hey, Buddha on the uh, in studio rather with me. I just want to say hello to the professors. Good morning, Professor Kumete. Professor Kumete, are you with us? All right. Um, how about uh, Professor Mahol? Professor Chaba, are you with us? Yes, um, yes I'm with you, Mempumimbate. I think I may have lost. Good morning. Morning, morning. I think I may have lost Professor uh, Gumete, but we'll, we're going to try and get him back on the line. We can start our conversation this morning. Tomorrow is Africa Day. Um, and for me, when I look at how many years we've commemorated Africa Day, there are some conversations that we shouldn't be having today. Um, if you look at the history of um, different liberations of different countries on the continent, I mean, some celebrate 60 years, some celebrate 30. You know, ours is young. It's fairly a young democracy, South Africa. But there are certain issues that as Africa today, we shouldn't really be having that conversation. Um, Prof. Vusi, when it comes to development, when it comes to business, when it comes to issues of um, moving the continent forward, what would you say is our biggest obstacle as a continent? All right. Professor Kometa, are you still on the line? Okay. I'm going to take it into studio because we have Ms. Tilsila Buddha with me. Um, it would have been, I wanted to start with the ladies, I it? Okay. <laughs> You're a lecturer of culture and heritage at the university. Are students finding interest in learning about indigenous culture? I think when they come uh, from um, what is it, high school? Yeah, they're a bit puzzled and they are worried that what will a course or a module in culture and heritage take me? Mm. There is this mindset of African people, Wuti, Babu Zabonyana, Mina Isigono Where will that take me? Because, you know, from, from a high school level, teachers would emphasize or would encourage them to do maybe nursing, to do engineering, you know, and anyone who does anything related to culture and heritage or language. Is, seen, is deemed as someone who doesn't really, you know, who's not going to make any impact in the society. So when they come and when we, of course, we, we, we assist them with choosing uh, modules, yeah. when we, we, we explain the modules, that they, they are usually skeptical, you know, to mm. say, ah, but you know, some think, okay, because I'm in a university level, let me just take it, you know. But when they start embarking on this journey with us, mm-hmm. they realize the importance of, of, of culture and heritage. Because if you understand who you are, mm-hmm. you get confidence and you become confident that you are going to make it uh, in the outside world. Speaking of which, I recently visited a school uh, in Makazen and it was a group of matriculate learners. And I asked the question, so have you applied? What are you going to be studying next year? And you, you're right. 
kuphuma athizeni kuphuma bonjiniela kuphuma bameli nema accountants very few go towards studies like bo um you know indigenous studies what would a course in in culture and heritage entail a course in culture and heritage entails the importance of preservation of of, of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're looking at museums. We are looking at um, tourism attraction. We are l- looking at policy development in a later stage. We are looking at um, people who be language specialists mm-hmm. because we need to understand that culture and heritage and linguistics are fraternal twins. These yes. they both come from the same womb, even though they are seen as two different um, disciplines. So here we are looking at people who would be working towards preservation of culture and heritage and who will work towards making everyone see that our indigenous knowledge or culture and heritage is relevant in a 21st um, century. Because if we look at developed countries like China, for example, and like South Korea, who use their indigenous language, who use their indigenous uh, cultures and who see them important, are successful countries so we cannot deem our culture and heritage as primitive or old-fashioned. We say that our culture and heritage is relevant in the 21st century. And as African people, we cannot really understand where we are going if we do not preserve the knowledge our ancestors have fought through trial and error, have fought for so many uh, uh, you know, uh, years to preserve. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, obviously, I'm a little biased because you, you've been with us on the show before wearing a different hat, that of an author, and <laughs> We can go deep in the, into the issue of language and the fact that we are conversing in a particular language that comes with its culture. I was saying to a colleague the other day, we know more about um, the British monarch than we do about issues going on in the Balubedu currently, issues going on with the, um, the, the, the Baroka chieftaincy, and even, you know, had it not been for the passing of King Goodwill Zuelitini and uh, um, his wife shortly after, the conversation around even the, the Zulu monarchy, we are only having this conversation because, hey, Namtle Africa Day, hey, Nini Heritage Month. But the countries that you speak of, developed nations, it's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. The Russian president, Nagasala La Paetingunzeni, Ukuluma Sgubo, Ni translate Nini. I want to see if I still have, uh, if we can bring back the professors on the line because you touched on developed nations. Maybe this would be a good starting point with Prof. Vusigumede. Prof, are you back with us? Yes, I hope I'm back. Can you oh, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, okay. So we were just Good. touching on just the importance of culture, heritage, and us learning in these fields of uh, studying these fields. But in terms of economics and development and in the world of business science, we as a continent do not operate um, as an island. And as the world advances, as technology advances, how are we competing as a continent um, well, let me start by saying something on culture because it's extremely important. I mm-hmm. mean, culture is, is really everything. Um, you know, you can think of any um, part of the world. Uh, it is culture that really um, matters most. You know, and, and of course, language. Um, uh, this, this is above, you know, color of the skin. Um, so I just thought I would like to 
at, at, at what my colleague was saying around that. With regards to economic development, the, the challenge I think we, we face is, is the approach um, that we are following um, in Africa. Uh, to pursue development. Uh, first of all, you know, a big question of what really is development and how could we ensure inclusive development. Um, so, so if you think about what's been going on globally, um, I mean, all countries face challenges of development um, and largely because of the, the approach uh, to social and economic development. And, and, and I think this is really the key issue for the global human society, not only for us uh, in, in the African continent or the global African um, family, that, that we need to confront this issue, that the approach we've, we use, the model we follow to develop our societies mm. is problematic. It has not developed us. Uh, and of course, then it's difficult to compete uh, probably. So looking mm. within the continent, for instance, there were times when development was advancing effectively. Um, if you think immediately the post-independent period, uh, and, and we lost track. And the question is, you know, are there lessons we can draw from that? And how can we ensure that we can develop again, we can advance well-being in our societies in the continent? Mm -hmm. The key issue for me will be Pan-African unity, of course, that you can't do it as islands, you know, these isolated countries, our countries anyway, were never designed to succeed. <laughs> Therefore, we need to go back to the drawing pad to a drawing board that, you know, we need to come together as Africans or within the continent and advance development for the whole of the continent. I'm, I'm going to come back to you, uh, Professor Gumete, because I think when you touch on approach and inclusive development, uh, immediately, even when you're saying, you know, we were not, it was not designed for us to succeed, I, I, it triggered a book I read years ago by Mwele Zimbegi, The Architects of Poverty, and it touches exactly on that. You triggered other issues of, for one to travel to Ghana, um, it's more expensive than to travel to, to London. Uh, it would be cheaper to go via Dubai to get to Angola. And for me, those are some of the very confusing things. And, and that's where the question of then um, what does the African uh, Organization of African Unity, the African Union, do um, to promote intercontinent, um, inter, you know, continental trade? Um, why? I mean, if you think of the history of the Rhodesian history and and how the railway line was designed to travel from Cape to Cairo, why are we not, you know, focusing in on those already established infrastructure that was designed perhaps not for our advancement, but use it to our uh, advantage? But I want to bring in um, Prof. Sichaba Matlumaholo on this conversation because we cannot develop um, without education, but what kind of education are we basing our development on? Uh, is culture incorporated into our curriculum in a way that reflects its authenticity? Because then the conversations around decolonization of education also comes in. How are we... Um, on that front, in terms of education on the continent, there was a time, I don't know if that's still the case, where Zimbabwe was considered, you know, one of the best quality education that you'll find in the country, in, in, in the continent rather. How are we com in competing in terms of education? And, and I, I want us maybe to focus even on develop, like, um, what foundation phase of education, because maybe university is late, right there. 
um, Japanese grade R learner, grade one learner, at Tansuenje Nambu, Miga grade one, La Esalubins. Well, thank you very much, uh, The problem with uh, with Africa, as Prof. Gumede and Kumzile Buddha has have explained, uh, originate or can be located in our history. That we are supposed to be a united people throughout the continent. We are about a billion or so people on the whole continent, like you'd have in India, like you'd have in China. Mm. But uh, the unfortunate thing is that the 1.2 or billion Africans that we are, we are divided into at least And as a result of the colonization of the 1870s and beyond, uh, that still continues. Up to this day. So, if we can find a way of coming together as put across in our Africa Agenda 2063, it's a that we are going in the fun analysis, come together as an integrated and united Africa. So, you'll find that because you're still divided and you're still in this post colonial uh, era. Even our education is still offered from outside the continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see snippets of excellence here and there where individual institutions, individual programs are attempting to rediscover that which belongs to us as Africans. But on the whole, the majority of uh, practices in Africa still pay homage to that which is European. But there is a discovery that if you locate that which we learn in our particular context, in our local experience, then we become excellent and even better in that which we learn. The discovery, I mean, currently there is debate, for example, that beginning to emerge in South Africa that is in the trick could be, you know, the student option that even chemistry, even those disciplines like that, could be written in the social to enable children coming from non-European context to also access knowledge with, with everybody else. So my understanding is that until such time that we can deepen the use of African languages and the use of African epistemes mm. in our education system will always come second to the rest. So this is where we are. And I can just cite to one example you referred to the public that in our faculty of education we have even discovered that using African stories as a teaching methodology mm-hmm. opens up epistemic access to children who otherwise would not have been able to because the, the experiences as uh, encapsulated in our current curriculum are foreign in many ways. And so children don't learn about themselves. School represents a foreign context different from their homes. So if we can bring that alignment between the school and the home, 
then we will be able to achieve uh, that we see in all people. That would be my input for now. Oh, Professor Chaba, I think you just led me right back to uh, Ms. Tulsili because when you speak about children and literature, I, I can't you know, move away from your other hat as a, a an author of a children's book that you intentionally translated into Isndebele, uh, which we finally read with my daughters, by the way. Um, and, and they were fascinated to read about uh, areas that they drive past. How is the community supporting, you know, do they recognize the importance of uh, an organized structure like you're a lecturer at the university, you teach on um, culture and heritage, but we need the support of the custodians of culture as it evolves, as as we learn about it. How, how do we incorporate that? Because sometimes I feel maybe the institution becomes that gray wall and then you know, we need to take us take ourselves back into the level of the community. The problem with researchers or with established or with um, formal institutions mm-hmm. is that they understand that they need to work with the community. They understand that they need to work with knowledge holders in terms of preserving the knowledge. Mm-hmm. But rather, when they approach the, the indigenous communities, Become they go, intellectuals, yes, intellectuals people that who know, people that you won't tell what to do. So mm-hmm. now there is that fear from knowledge holders to say, maybe Tina what we are saying is not the truth or maybe will be judged and hence why there is what we call indigenous research uh, philosophies so this is when uh, people are encouraged, scholars are encouraged to say, use these guidelines so that when you approach communities they feel safe with you they feel like their knowledge is not marginalized or mocked you establish relationships so that they can be able to give you this knowledge, you'll be able to document this knowledge whether in education mm-hmm. whether in, in, in science and technology or in any other field that you feel this knowledge um, fits because now we need to also be patient with our people. The fact of what did they encourage their children to do about artisan and all is because of this co- uh, continuous, um, you know, it's, I don't know whether to call it a myth or what to say. If you are doing anything in your language, then it, it doesn't. Yes, it doesn't really matter. So we do encourage our children to embark or to to take these 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 courses and to be such professionals and forget about who we are. So now that's why when we talk about decoloniality, when we talk about removal of Western uh, 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 methods, or we say that decolonizing the minds of Africans, we need to tell them or to show them the importance of their ways of knowing, doing, and being. So we need to show them what their ancestors have done that is seen as science and technology or seen as as relevant. And now we we develop those inventions and we make, make them the modern innovations. Because our, for example, if we look at the great Zimbabwe, if we look at Mapungwe, you could see the trading system, you mm-hmm. could see science, you could see economics. currency, you can see economics, exactly. So if our ancestors were managed to, to, to maintain such, what can we do? What can we learn from that? And hence why we are saying indigenous knowledge is relevant in this uh, modern society. And it's ever more relevant now as a global community. If you think about, I'm going to get into the issue of uh, the 
global pandemic that hit us and made us realize we are not as isolated mm-hmm. as we would like to believe. And obviously, this will then touch on economics. So, uh, Back to you, Prof. Vusi. Um, when it comes to developing and, and even trading as businesses in, 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 in Africa, how do we then extend culture, our heritage, and the way of doing things or the way, we, the way things were done on the continent? Migration happened because of um, the same reasons. How do we then uh, you know, link that to the advancements that have happened in the world in a world where... Once again, if I am trading, it has to be according to the U.S. dollar on the African continent. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, let, let me let me touch on the question, the issue you're, you 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 were raising um, as you're moving on from my earlier input. Um, you know, Aikwei Ama, uh, the Ghanaian writer. Um, says the beautiful ones are not yet born. <laughs> he says this mm. in the late 1960s, and I think it's still very relevant. Um, so, so, so we we have the challenges that relate to interference uh, from factors or those outside the African continent, um, which impact negatively, impacts negatively uh, on our own development. Uh, but also, we can't exonerate um, ourselves and our leaders. Uh, from the blame that we've not been able to to do things that we should have done mm-hmm. uh, to advance development within the continent. So uh, that's why I'm making this reference to Aikwe Ama because he captures it, you know, very well about uh, the beautiful ones are not yet born. But but if you think about, you know, the continent um, in in a long time frame, um, think about where we come from. Um, you know, the colonization, um, imperialism, you know, the capitalist economic system, uh, all these that have been imposed uh, on Africa or Africans and disrupted uh, rudely uh, our development. Um, so, so you know, we have to take this into account that perhaps that's the reason, part of the reason why we've not been able to really advance development uh, effectively within the continent. But there are some, you know, good examples that we can learn from. And, you know, many leading thinkers have, you know, written about, um, you know, areas of success and, and where we've fallen short and, you know, how we can deal with those challenges. When it comes to culture, um, my, my view is that... Um, you don't really have to be trying to adapt. Um, so, 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 so there is the so-called global um, village. But, but what we've seen happening is that others impose their ways of doing things mm. on others. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and and Africans, you have to assimilate. I mean, even here within our own you know continent, it's very troubling that we have to assimilate to what you know. The, the ways of doing things, say, you know, by the Chinese now, you know, for a long time, it, it was, you know, how Europeans in the continent do things, we have to assimilate, uh, when in fact, you know, they are the ones who should be assimilating. Um, so, so we've seen our culture perhaps as inferior, but it's actually not. Um, I mean, Tulisera talks about indigenous knowledge uh, systems. I mean, you know, the world has developed at the back of that, 
um, mm-hmm. and and you know some of it presented as if you know it originates from Greek. <laughs> yeah. You know books have been written about cultural this, expropriation it from within our own yes you know continent. So. I do think um, as Africans, really the starting point, and I think Tulisile makes this point that, um, you know, we need to remember uh, how we lived uh, before we interrupted, you know, by all these evils, you know, um, you know, slave trade, um, slavery, you know, including, you know, enslavement by Arabs, you know. Uh, we normally, you know, talk about Europeans, but, you know, within here on our continent, mm-hmm. um, uh, Arabs, you know, mm-hmm. interrupted our own development. And they continue, by the way, interrupting uh, development uh, in the continent. These are difficult issues, of course, to talk about because they're sensitive. Uh, they are but, but I think if we're serious about development, we have to confront those kind of issues. Um, and, and, you know, our culture really is all that we have. Um, you know, because you can be black and be Jew, you can be black and be Christian, you know, you can be all sorts of things. Ah, I think we lost. Professor, you still with us? And, and talk about the language, we really have to make sure that, you know, our language, uh, our languages, sorry, are not seen as inferior. Mm-hmm. There's a big debate about, you know, whether we need one language in the continent. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us argue that that's not really the issue. The issue is that we should use our indigenous languages freely. You know, we'll be able to communicate. I mean, here, yeah, I can talk to you, for instance, in Isizulu, mm-hmm. and you'll mm-hmm. be able to understand. Yeah. Uh, you may be speaking Swati. Yes. Um, you know, if you go to West Africa, you speak Wolof, you know, about four or five different countries will be able to, to, I mean, people from the four or five different countries in mm-hmm. will be able to understand. So, Really, uh, we need to have pride in our, in our culture, including language. Professor um, Kwasi uh, says, you know, uh, color is just a bonus. The key issue really is our culture. Mm. But Let me stop here. Lest we be, um, you know, accused of ab- uh, absorbing ourselves from part of the problem. When you mentioned um, the, the, the Ghanaian author, I'm immediately taken to Nigerian author of another controversial book, The Capitalist Nigger. Dr. Chika Onyeni takes it to the individual, the mindset of us as individuals on the African continent and abroad, wherever we go. We don't seem to celebrate our own. We don't seem to invest in our own. And we can, you know, um, I, I, I must step on toes to say we can blame colonialism for, for so long. Well, colonialism, you know, is still here, by the way. So some people, you know, talk as if it's no longer with us. Is it a colonized mind, form. Prof? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, a big problem with our minds. But, but you know... Um, and it's not surprising because you know, these are centuries, uh, you know, of say Arabs or Europeans, you know, imposing their own ways of thinking, of language, languages, you know, ways of doing things. Um, so, so we're not really ourselves, and we need to confront this issue. Mm. That you know, I, I talk about thought liberation. That we need to liberate, liberate our thoughts. We need to be critical, conscious as uh, citizens. Um, I talk about thought leadership, which you know is something else I talk about when it comes to leadership in the continent. So, 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 so although colonialism has gone on for um, up to a point, you could argue uh, the issue is that what we end up with, for instance, the state in Africa um, is really a neo-colonial state. It's an instrument that is not meant 
to advance development in Africa. And it's a point I keep making, you know, that the reason we're not able to advance even countries such as South Africa where, you, you know, you think there's some development taking place and then, mm. you know, you lose track is that um, even the state uh, is, was not designed to really advance development. It, so, so there's a bigger challenge about how we can reconfigure um, you know, our societies, uh, the global human society, um, and as Africans really come together and confront the difficult issues, including our, you know, the colonization of the mind, we shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from that because it's a historical experience. The reason we find ourselves this way, you know, looking at the standard, which is inappropriate, looking at, you know, the West, you know, yeah. we should be living the same way as they do or the Chinese, um, is because, you know, our minds, um, you know, were are colonized, were colonized, mm-hmm. and that is not yet, has not yet left us to confront it. Aluta continue, as they say. It's quarter to 11 on Rise of Mid Mornings. My name is Mbumimbete. We're having our Africa Day dialogue with the partners from the University of Mpumalanga. On my panel this morning, I have Professor Vusi Gumete, Faculty of Economics, Development and Business Sciences. I also have Prof. Sichaba Matlomaholo. He's a research professor of education. And Ms. Tulsi Lebuda, Culture and Heritage Lecturer. And we're talking about the importance of Africa Day, but... Uh, more than just a day, we should be having Africa Day all day, every day. Uh, you can join in on this conversation at Rise of M943 is our Twitter handle. Use the hashtag I love my Africa, and um, you'll see we'll just uh, retweet there as well. So, we're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, we have to touch on COVID, how it's impacted on us. And I'm going to start with um, Professor. Uh, because education continues to deal and battle with this pandemic. We continue the uh, conversation continues this morning on Rise FM mid mornings. It's our Africa Day dialogue with the University of Mbumalanga, and uh, you can also uh, follow them at at Uni Mbumalanga and uh, hashtag I love my Africa. And we do. That is why we are celebrating. But we have to hold each other accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And what better way to do that? But by uh, through conversation and hopefully, you know, if we can iron out or at least uh, understand the challenges that we face as a continent, we can move forward as a continent. But we can't do that without education. So we continue this conversation with um, Prof. Prof. Sachaba. Are you with us? I'm with you, man. Oh, yes. So, Prof. Sichaba Matlomaholo is a research professor of education at the university. You, I, I'm taking back to 2020 in March when um, President Cyril Ramaphosa announced hard lockdown. We were not ready, in my opinion, as a country to deal with the impact of COVID. What I found was, you know, the more advanced schools were immediately able to kick into... Um, online learning, they had resources, they had access to the students, and those kids didn't miss a beat of schooling. They just had to adapt to a new way of learning. Then we take it to institutions of higher learning, and my understanding is we're we're having conversation about hybrid learning right now of, you know, how we can function. So this pandemic hit us and forced us to innovate and adapt to the conditions because it wasn't going to go away in 21 days, and even now with, you know, phase two of vaccine rollouts, we're still going to be dealing with COVID-19, the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic. How 
what was the impact in terms of education um, when you speak to colleagues on the continent? Oh, thank you, Mayor, for the wonderful question. You, you're right. The pandemic put us uh, way back. You know, it 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 uh, it uh, destroyed. <clears throat> I'm sorry, the gains and the progress that we're making as a continent and as African people within South Africa. Uh, we find that issues of inequality were deepened. Like you, you rightly say, schools that were privileged, that resources could continue teaching. But the hard lockdown that emphasized uh, social distancing and other non-pharmaceutical approaches to, to containing the pandemic meant that education was to be conducted remote, remotely. And many of our schools, many of our uh, uh, black schools or black universities, were, which are normally under-resourced, were not ready and prepared for that. Uh, there were problems like... Uh, you know, access to electricity to start off with. They are, they are still, I, I, was, I was struck by that fact, you know, that there are still villages, there are still places where electricity has not reached. So, let alone Wi Fi. No Wi Fi uh-huh. and, and connectivity. Th- these are huge problems that even though we were trying, or the government and the institutions are trying very hard, but those are critical factors that make the level, the playing field, not to be level. So the pandemic deepened inequality. It, it brought that into sharp focus. It made us, everybody aware, actually, that uh, schools and institutions that were not well-resourced were lagging behind. Out of the 12 months of, of a lockdown, in, in, in whatever form, uh, different levels that it assumed, uh, schools that did not have connectivity, children there suffered greatly. And there's even research that shows that number of, uh, uh, the amount of content that they lent was almost halved in instances where they could platoon maybe and come up with uh, uh, improvised strategies to make up for that. But on the whole, we lost very greatly. There was need for printing. Even students or learners who were, who were supposed to be learning at home, they had to... <clears throat> to do learning remotely, do printing, submit the assignments. If they don't have those resources at home, that was another problem. We know the levels of poverty, of unemployment that we're suffering from, and and that was exacerbated by by the pandemic. So a huge irreparable damage was done, and this will require a lot of, of, of effort for us to make up for the lost time, for the lost uh, 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 opportunities to mm-hmm. improve and make up for anyway the, the inequalities that existed before. So uh, that would be my input. Yes, Prof. Sechaba. Now, from what Prof. Gumete is saying, um, you know, it would require effort. We all know it. That effort means financial support. We saw business, you know, come together, uh, forming command task groups and um, really pulling in all our resources. 
But as a continent, when financially, when it came to backing this up, and I think, you know, the person on the street might be confused when they hear we pledged towards uh, vaccine development and like, um, as Africa, was it a lack of resources that we faced as a challenge or was it more a lack of um, how to pull our resources together efficiently? Uh, from where I sit currently, I think it's a combination of both. And I think Professor Gumede highlighted the point very clearly that a lot of money was or was taken in the past out of the continent and it still continues to be taken out of the continent. Um, there's a lot of money required really to make up for, for the difference. Yes, over and above that, uh, there are these other issues where things may not be properly run, properly uh, coordinated, and but that complements, that adds, exacerbates the problem that we already have. And and to turn the 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 the, 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 the history around, the, the, that requires a massive effort on our part to try and replan afresh. And 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 in an article that Professor Gumel has published, he, he proposes you know a new economic approach to doing things where we start. The, the story with ourselves, looking at what is it that we need and rearranging the economy so that it's not meeting just international <coughs> monetary uh, institutions, but it addresses our concerns locally. So my view is that until such time that we have that realization that for us to be able to make a difference, we need to, pre- to put Africa first and every other resource that we have, we try to pull in in order to enable our schools and our institutions to be as competitive as any that you can find in the world. So those are the conditions, I think, that we have to, to meet, that we try to manage our resources better, but at the same time, we stop the hemorrhaging that continues to happen in terms of you know, our money leaving the continent and the shores of Africa. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, in case you're just joining us this morning, we are in conversation with um, the University of Mpumalanga. We are celebrating Africa Day, focusing on, you know, some of the challenges. I've got uh, Professor Vusi Gumede um, uh, with me. I've also got Professor Sichaba Matlamaholo and I've got Ms. Tosile Buddha here. Tosile, um, before we go to the news, because we're going to wrap it up uh, just after the news, but before we go to the news, all these conversations are happening and in my mind I'm thinking of a village uh, I, I attended a funeral during this COVID period it was in, in December and there is a way of doing things that was challenged by obviously now you know protocol COVID protocol for the safety were we able to marry our ways of doing things with the restrictions and what were some of the challenges coming out? Because, you know, in your lecturing and studying of culture and heritage, and again, you you, you would refer a lot to Kosi, Baholi, Betemasigo, Netimfotem Sabunche. 
most of the time you could see kuti ingathi si kuba nalenye i conflict of indlela kwentiwa ngayo there was a time ukuthi wakufuna ku rap we makasket nani mhlulu babake 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 babakadaya eh babakadaya you know um uh, we 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 presented this paper on 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 covid-19 and and customary laws when we were talking focusing mainly on 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 closing of initiation and also the um uh, funerals right mm-hmm. the way that we do things in our culture um you know there is there are processes whereby they need to wash the body you know there are people who have to wash the body who yep. wash it overnight who sit in the mattress you know there are certain protocols in each and every culture but now they the government literally said no to those protocols the, even the 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 but in istumbu cannot even um and so and surely you know you you have limited time exactly have limited time to 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 bury your loved one even the time and the period of mourning was not or is even now is still something that is still there but yeah. even though the the you know things are a bit eased so customary laws and and and, and our uh, uh, protocols have been disturbed by by covid-19 uh for the ndebele people this was an initiation school year mm-hmm. and they had to postpone it because of covid-19 and they had to think of the lives of so many young people and their families and us as communities who would want to attend so um covid-19 has really put a strain on on our culture but at the same time it has raised so many questions regarding people who see our cultures as barbaric and primitive for example the use of traditional medicine a lot of people resorted to using of traditional medicine yeah. as a treatment instead of going to clinics and and, and hospitals you know there, there is this thing so people have resorted in using on going back to their indigenous knowledge in their own backyard so this covid has really we our culture in terms of culture there is some advantage the traditional medicine that we've deemed as demonic and and, and old fashioned is currently helping us and which means this is is our point of departure we move mm. from here we're taking it from here and we can see Wuti, our grandmothers or our forefathers ways of healing are relevant and we should use them and hence why so many people will run back to their communities and ask mm. Gogo, how do you Indigenous cook this ways. how do you mix how do you do this you know so because they now want to learn from the people they've deemed demonic or old-fashioned or barbaric so while it posed some challenges it also exposed some um you know highlighted the importance of indigenous knowledge we continue this conversation just after 11 and i'm going to ask my panel to wrap it up with a celebratory note because all these challenges and all these obstacles that we face and continue to face have not you know it hasn't all been doom and gloom there have been some great strides that we made in um, preserving and promoting culture in our education system and in terms of development on the continent so after 11 we're going to focus on where are we now and going forward and doing the one thing that Africans do best and that is celebrating who we are. You on Rise FM mid-mornings. Celebrating Africa Day with Rise FM and the University of Mbumalanga, an African university leading in creating opportunities for sustainable development through innovation. Join the conversation on Twitter under the hashtag I love my Africa. To valorize and to, to commend those initiatives where we see attempts being made to bring the stories of the Africans to the fore and they have been used to teach across the curriculum, not only in 
the so-called, uh, what do they call, native languages or vernaculars, but they should be used across the curriculum to teach every discipline. So African stories, African experiences need to be emphasized. We need, we are, there are already institutions, like Mpumzile uh, uh, said, mm. that are moving in that direction where you're allowing children irrespective of where they're coming from. This is where inclusivity comes in, that you, you don't exclude children because they speak a different language. You have to create opportunities to make them succeed by opening up the knowledge, the knowledge spaces. So that should not be limited to one day, like you say, but we, we are in Africa here, and we have to, to recognize that in terms of what we teach and how we teach. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Professor Sechaba Matlamaholo um, wrapping it up for us from his side. And we also coming back to uh, Professor Vusikumede to wrap it up. Um, because we are celebrating, we, I mean, Africa has been able to host international summits, um, international events. Uh, 2010, right here, still a key, po- uh, a key event because the world said we couldn't do it. The, and yet it was such a successfully um, hosted event. I can mention and list them one by one, but I also look at the Sustainable Development Goals um, or the Global Goals as we know them. Um, 17 interlinked global goals designed as a blueprint to achieve a better, more sustainable future for all and yet I feel you know Africa as a continent is not at the same starting point I think you made this reference earlier on and none of this can be achieved without financial backing um, economic policies that support this development bringing us back to as a continent going forward we can reflect on the strides that we have made what are some of the key points that you would say we have managed to achieve this if we can depart from this point we can we, we can achieve so much more oh that's a difficult it's one. loaded it's i'm sorry yeah well yeah you see the challenge we're having is you know that hardship um you know africans wherever they are globally and particularly here in the continent you know is still very is tough you know life is hard for africans so it's difficult to, to list uh, things you know mm-hmm. um that we can celebrate but but i think the biggest achievement really um when we think about where we come from in you know thinking about many centuries uh, is that africa defeated colonialism you know um so defeating colonialism was really not easy <laughs> Um, uh, but, but of course, you know, we still have all these challenges. Uh, when neocolonialism, neocolonialism is still with us, and uh, and we need to to confront that. Be careful that you know we don't get recolonized as as many see, uh, and the scramble for Africa that's continuing. But I, I do think that you know, having defeated colonialism is evident that evidence that Africa shall rise. Um, Africa shall rise again. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, look at how we've dealt with COVID-19. Of course, uh, it has worsened our challenges um, and reversed gains, especially, you know, for the economies in Africa. Many economies were doing very well, uh, about, you know, six, seven of um, fastest growing economies in the world were in Africa uh, before COVID-19. So it's been a spec and unemployment has increased, poverty and so forth. Uh, but, but I do think that, you know, we've also managed, um, you know, um, to deal with the impact that was initially anticipated. Uh, as you know, many people were saying that it's going to be a bloodbath, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of us are just going to 
guy. Uh, a lot of people have died, of course, but, you know, given to what was anticipated, uh, I do think we've done uh, quite well. And now, you know, they're trying to look for reasons why, you know, Africa is, you know, not as affected uh, as, as they anticipated. So my, my, my thinking is that we coordinated the response better than uh, many countries, many regions in the mm-hmm. world. So so there are many uh, perhaps things that, you know, we can celebrate, um, although we still have many challenges. And we must make sure that we don't make the same mistakes we've made uh, in the past. I think I'll stop there. Thank you so much uh, to my guests this morning for your input, uh, your contributions in this conversation. And as uh, Professor Kometa is mentioning there, it's a conversation that continues as the world evolves and Africa uh, adapts and we try to you know, advance as well as a continent. It's conversations that will continue to, to live on beyond... Uh, us here. So I just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Oh, man. And of course, enjoy tomorrow being um, Africa Day. It's just about 20 past 11 and uh, Africa Day commemorates the founding of the Organization of African Unity, which was on the 25th of May back in 1963. And the University of Mpumalanga was just in a beautiful conversation around uh, the African continent. And they will be joining in on the global community to celebrate this year's day under the theme creating conducive conditions for Africa's development and intensifying the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you missed this dialogue, well, I think we will have it on all our social media at Uni Mpumalanga at Rise FM. And of course, you can visit uh, the University of Mpumalanga.ac.za for more information about their Africa Day lecture, which is going to be held tomorrow on the 25th. And uh, you can also go on to risefm.co.za for a podcast of this conversation. Until then, Continue the conversation on Twitter under the hashtag I love my Africa. My name is Mbumimbe. This is Rise of Him Mid Mornings.